Hello, my name is Marielle Harris, and I'm one of the producers for 49. Just a quick note that this episode was recorded in September 2021 before Judd Devermont departed the Center for Strategic and International Studies. Here's the episode. Welcome to 49. My name is Judd Devermont. I'm the director of the Africa program at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. I was the National Intelligence Officer for Africa and worked at the National Security Council. And I'm Nicole Ouellette. I'm Chief of Staff at the Open Society Foundations. And like Judd, I served at the National Security Council. I also served at the U.S. State Department and at the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, all with a focus on Africa. This podcast has everything you need to know about U.S. policy towards Sub-Saharan Africa. What happened in the past? What should the Biden administration do? Plus, we promise to deliver the goods in 15 minutes or less, one country at a time. This episode is about Gabon, and we are joined by Cynthia Akute, former U.S. Ambassador to Gabon and Sao Tome and Principe, as well as former Deputy Assistant Secretary of State for Central Africa. Nicole, can you walk us through U.S. policy towards Gabon? The United States established diplomatic relations with Gabon at independence in 1960 and appointed its first resident ambassador, a political appointee named Charles Darlington, a year later. Darlington fell afoul with the government following the failed 1964 coup against President Ba, who relied on the French paratroopers to return him to power. The Gabonese accused Darlington of being too close to the opposition, and they sent at least two letters to President Johnson to complain. Darlington, who blamed the French for sullying his reputation, was nonetheless asked to leave. The United States has economic interests in Gabon, including iron, manganese, uranium, oil, but its influence and activities paled in comparison to the French. In fact, one former diplomat said that he had the impression that U.S. interests were, quote, do what you can do for American business and get along with the French, end quote. When the Nigerian Civil War broke out in 1967, Gabon became a hub for relief efforts. Gabon was one of four African countries to recognize the secessionist state of Biafra. It also had relations with white Rhodesia, which raised problems for U.S. support for multiracial democracy in southern Africa. When Ba died in 1967, Albert Bernard Bongo assumed the presidency. He later changed his name to Omar after converting to Islam. Bongo was very close to Paris, but also met with Presidents Nixon, Carter, Reagan, President George W. Bush. He was regarded as a regional statesman, and he was willing to help on U.S. priorities like Libya's negative involvement in the region. In 2009, Bongo died after 42 years in power. His son, Ali Bongo Odimba, was elected to the presidency a few months later, and the vote was marred by violence and accusations of fraud, as was his re-election in 2016. In late 2018, Ali Bongo experienced a stroke. While he was recuperating abroad, a Gabonese lieutenant and some compatriots launched a failed coup attempt in January 2019. Bongo has long had a strong working relationship with U.S. officials due to his previous stints as foreign minister and defense minister, and he met with President Obama in 2011. He has also attracted attention from the Biden-Harris administration. His commitment to conservation and addressing climate change earned him an invitation to President Biden's climate summit. In addition, Gabon recently was elected to the U.N. Security Council for the 2022 session, marking Gabon's fourth time as a non-permanent member. Judd, Gabon, what do you want to talk about in terms of major U.S. policy successes or failure? 
One of the things about Gabon, despite being a small country, is really how it punches above its weight when it comes to international politics and diplomacy. Whether we're talking about the father, Omar Bongo, or current president, Ali Bongo, whether it's issues in Mali or problems in the Congo, or as we mentioned earlier in the historical section about Libya, you could really count on the Bongos to help present U.S. positions to share confidentially what's happening in other countries to try to work towards a solution. And I think that that's been a a strong suit for the U.S. and for Gabonese relations. But the other thing that I I should mention here, maybe we'll talk about it more with the ambassador, is the leadership right now from Gabon on climate change and conservation. It's 88% rainforest. That means it's got the largest amount of rainforest after Suriname. And it's committed to half carbon emissions. Norway recently agreed to help pay to preserve their forests. Uh, It's really kind of a remarkable. President Bongo even hired a former British citizen to be his minister of environment to push these issues. So we have a historical relationship that has been very successful in terms of navigating internal African politics. And I think we have a future relationship with Gabon when it comes to pushing for climate change. So Ambassador, having said all of that, what do you think the Biden administration's strategy towards Gabon should be? John, what I would like to say is certainly to reinforce the, the statements you made in terms of Gabon's leadership in the region and its leadership on climate change. We often talk about the Amazon as being one of Earth's lungs. Well, we forget that the Gongo Basin is that second lung. And the idea that Bongo absolutely recognized the critical importance of the environment and climate change is something that should be applauded. And when you talk about his minister of the environment, I worked quite closely uh, with with the current minister and the previous ministers. And I do want to reinforce that Lee White is, in fact, a Gabonese citizen and has been very committed to uh, safeguarding the legacy of, of the bongos and particularly looking at poaching issues surrounding elephants. I remember hearing a statement that President Bongo made a couple of years ago when he was talking to the Chinese, commenting how much they love pandas, how, you know, how much pandas meant so much to the culture of China. Well, that's exactly how the Gabonese look at elephants and preserving them for the future. Also, what's so important about uh, the Gabonese is looking at the forest also in terms of cutting down on illegal logging. That was a major, major issue while I was there. And it's something that they take very seriously. And I think the new minister will also do that. And the ways that we can work together to support those efforts, I think are very important for the Biden administration. The other thing I would like to comment on is Gabon will have elections in 2023. And so we should continue to work with all stakeholders so those elections will be peaceful. As we're all aware, the 2009 elections and the 2016 elections were marred by violence. So hopefully in 2023, everyone can work together so that they will be peaceful. Yeah, I think that's such a great point, Ambassador, because as much as we're inviting uh, Bongo and, and Gabon to to the climate summit and to, you know, and we'll be engaging a lot, our Ambassador Linda Thomas-Greenfield at the Security Council with the Gabonese, we don't have to compartmentalize these issues. We can also be talking about democracy at the same time. And I think that's really important to to commend them for the things that they're doing exceptionally well and to keep working with them on the things that they that we all agree that they can improve on. So I'm really glad that you made that point. Nicole, how do we make that happen? 
So Gabon is an exciting one because I think there is quite a bit that the interagency can do given the priorities of the Biden administration, as you said. And that really involves the interagency coming back to the table and thinking as part of the climate work, but also as part of Africa's strategy broadly, including as it relates to deepening democratic values, really picking up the question of what does a policy, a lasting durable policy towards Gabon look like. And here, you know, I think the entry point, and we always, right, as diplomats look for the entry point, perhaps on something that's incredibly important to the government to then be able to have some of the other more challenging conversations. So clearly here, this is climate. You guys have described why it matters so very much. And Ambassador, the linkage to the Congo Basin, I think is really important too, because as the Biden administration is advancing climate work, I think really thinking about how to engage the continent regionally is going to be really important here, right? Like build the consensus to be able to drive forward the appetite for focusing on change. Now it's complicated because we know that the responsibility for global warming and climate change, the ownership there is really with the global north. And I, you know, I don't believe that countries on the continent can be held responsible for what has already happened. But the partnership to be able to protect this incredibly fragile and incredibly important ecosystem within Gabon is the biodiversity that's so impressive is obviously a place where we can come together. And, you know, I think with Gabon joining the Security Council, that's perfect timing for this, right? I mean, the Biden administration and a lot of other governments are ready to accept the existential threat that is climate change, that it requires emergency action, and to table it at the UNSC. We've seen that happen. Um, and Gabon can be a huge partner in that. They can also bring along, ideally, a lot of the Africa voting bloc when it comes to thinking about what needs to happen in order to actually protect a lot of the ecosystem that we need. I also think within the interagency, as it ramps up around climate, and it, you know, I think it's probably increasingly doing this already, but you could potentially mandate that at all of the big meetings on policy related to different countries that you have a seat for climate um, because it relates to so many different elements of what we do and because it is such an important opening and conversation, one on which all of our lives depend, right? So you really need to be having it. And for the USG to really focus on pieces of that, even though, of course, they have very senior leadership like John Kerry deeply involved, you also, in the sausage making, really need, at the working level, need people who are going to consistently focus on and raise those issues in the same way that we increasingly do with democracy and human rights in the same way we do with counterterrorism issues, the way that that all comes together when regional leadership for the United States, so right, the heads of Africa policy are having those conversations. Lots of room there, I think, to do something differently. And I really hope that that is taken up. So, Ambassador, do you have one big idea to put on the table when it comes to Gabon? My bold idea to put on the table is probably an old idea. As the Biden administration looks at human infrastructure, I'd like to look at that in terms of Gabon and having Peace Corps, once Peace Corps decides what it's going to do in the future, when it's going to be able to put volunteers in the field again to look at Gabon 
as another country to host volunteers. There's a very, very active group of returned Peace Corps volunteers who come back to Gabon consistently because of their love for the country. And there's so much to do in terms of English language. I know that's old school for Peace Corps, but that's one of the things whenever I traveled around the country and I traveled extensively, people spoke so highly of Peace Corps volunteers, their Peace Corps experience, and the critical importance of learning English because it opens the door to so many opportunities globally. Okay, Ambassador, this is a fun one for you. President Bongo released a funk album entitled A Brand New Man in 1977. Have you listened to it? Are you a fan? How would you assess his musical talents? I listened to it thanks to you, Judd, and it's a great recording. Of course, as you said, this was 1977 when he was Alain Bongo as opposed to Ali Bongo. But the music is really great. As you said, it's funk. He has a wonderful voice, which I never knew (laughs) during almost four years in Gabon. And so he has real talents there. Well, that's the show. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and check out our analysis at csis.org backslash Africa. Thanks.